Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Amen. All right, quick raise of hands. How many of you absolutely love storms? Raise your hand. Okay, so there's a lot of you, but some of you are either scaredy cats or you're lying. Because everybody likes, everybody should like watching storms. The, like the wind, it's just fascinating stuff. I love watching storms. Um, and when I was a little kid, I, just out, I lived in like the woods of Monaco, Wisconsin. And so I would look out my window, and outside my window there was about uh, this little pile of like 30 jack pine trees that were maybe 70 feet tall. Now, if you don't know what a jack pine looks like, it's the ugliest tree that God created. Period. It is ugly. I'm going to actually show you a picture of what one looks like. That's the prettiest picture of a jack pine you could actually ever see. Most jack pines, if you, there's no, like the ones that are dead there, that's like a living jack pine for all I know. They're so ugly. You go all the way up and there's no branches up until about the last 10 feet of them. And then all the branches are just like deadly little things. And then they've got, the, here's the pine cones that you see on them. That looks really cute right there, that little bit. But that's like the only needles on the whole tree. And the pine cone is ugly. They're just ugly. Actually, my mom says, I don't, my mom is one of those people, she's like, you know they say. She doesn't know who they is, ever. But she says that they say that these trees are not native to Wisconsin, that Europeans brought them over. I don't know if it's true, but my mom said they said it. So I'm going to guess she, she says a lot of stuff. I don't know. These trees are ugly. And I'd, I'd look out my window at these like 30 jack pines when I was a kid. And the wind would be howling. And these trees would bend like crazy. So much so to the point that I'm like, I'm going to die tonight. Because this thing is going to fall on our house. It, I'm going to wake up with a twig in my eye. And it's not going to be very comfortable. And so I've never, never liked jack pines, but I love storms. And I love watching. But I don't know what's more powerful. I don't know if it's the storm that can bend the trees that's more powerful. Or is it the trees that can bend like that and still not die? That's crazy to me. The, the trees are actually pretty fa- fascinating. Um, and today we're, gonna, we're actually going to talk a little bit about power. I think there's n- nothing that you can physically see in this world that's more awesome than the power of nature. But the story that we're going to read here, we're going to see uh, an epic amount of power in Jesus. You know, this series we're talking through is called Epic. We're looking at stories in the book of Mark. And I'm telling you, this story, uh, probably out of all the stories, other than Jesus rising from the dead, which is pretty powerful, okay, This one to me is like, man, that is powerful. So we're going to read out of Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
Or what is it about this story that is so stinking awesome, so powerful? A guy that can, with his words, stop a storm. That is fascinating. I've never seen it before. These disciples had never seen it before. They had seen Jesus heal people. And this was the thing, I think, probably more than anything, they're like, whoa, dude's crazy in a good way. For all you people who think crazy is a good thing sometimes. Okay, just want to make sure that you're clear on that. Now, there's a lot of things that we can understand, I think, from this story about the storms of life and the power that we see through Jesus in our own storms. And so we're going to talk about the things that we see in, in this passage What's what we see about storms. And so the first thing about storms that we see is this. Storms can come out of nowhere. Can come out of absolute nowhere. You got to remember, these disciples, a lot of them were fishermen. If they weren't fishermen, they probably had been out on the water on boats a lot. They knew what it was like to be on the water. They knew what it was like to look up in the sky and see storm clouds. They knew what it was like to be kind of like being from Wisconsin. The skies could be clear and 20 minutes later you still might have a storm. Like they got that. They understood that. And Mark makes the point to describe this storm as a storm of really violent winds. And actually the NIV calls it a squall. Now what the heck is a squall? A squall is a storm with really violent winds. <laughs> Go figure. Or it's, or it's a localized storm that like you can see the whole cloud over in the distance or right over you and it's freaky. Here's a picture of what a squall actually looks like. In this one, anybody ever seen a, a, a cloud system like that? It's terrifying. Like everything about that, I look at that and I'm like, I, I want to go inside. That's like the first thing I'm thinking. Now, I mentioned this before about going on a trip to Colorado last, last year with a couple of buddies from church here. On our way back from Colorado, we were driving through Nebraska, which can I just, can we just get it out of the way? Nebraska is the most boring state in the world. If you're from Nebraska, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is it's bad. Luckily for us, there was a storm to the north of us that was following in the same trajectory as we were going on the road. And so we got to watch a storm for the whole time in, Neve in Nebraska. That's exciting, kind of. Scary, because that's what it looked like. And we were going like the same speed. We were staying away from it because, and all of a sudden, my nephew had to go to the bathroom. Now, I was asleep when I heard, he, I didn't hear it. He had to go to the bathroom. If I would have heard he had to go to the bathroom, I'd have been like, hold it. So we're going to die if we stop. Well, sure enough, we stop at a McDonald's. We go into McDonald's. Five, ten minutes later, that storm caught us. And I'm telling you, it was, I was looking outside at the street and you, I've never seen wind before. I literally saw the wind. It just blew through and it was terrifying. So all of us were like, so I'm thinking, so like we're staying here at McDonald's for the night, right? Because this is scary. Six guys. What do you think we decided to do? Well, we should probably get back on the road. So we got back on the road. It's the scariest half hour on the road I've ever experienced in my entire life. Terrified. Absolutely scary. We ended up staying the night. Josh, my, my brother-in-law, had a friend in the area somehow. Uh, we stayed at that guy's house for the night because it was terrifying. Squalls are really scary. Storms like that are really scary. Uh, and I have a belief about life. You're either going through a storm in life or you're expecting the next storm to show itself to you at any moment. You're either going through one now or you're expecting one to come. 
My daughter Abby was taking a, a personality test last week. Um, and she, she comes to a question that had to do with like uh, how, how much you look at things on the bright side. How optimistic you are. And that stare, it always gets me. How optimistic are you? And she, she kind of, she says to her mom, she's like, well, it's not like everything's always going bad, but if, if it's not, something's not going bad, I expect it to be soon. All right, well, you failed the optimism test. <laughs> I, I don't think you're doing great there. But is she wrong? She's not really wrong. Like if, we're, if we're going through good times, it was, we are expecting bad times to come. Even with Jesus in the boat with these guys, these seasoned fishermen were caught off guard by this sudden storm. Let's be honest. They should have known if they were on the water that it was a possibility that this storm could come. If you are alive and breathing today, you should know that it is a possibility that just around the corner for you is a storm. It's just the way it is. The mark of wisdom is to be ready for suffering. Timothy Keller says that. He's really smart. Mark of wisdom is to be ready for suffering. That is not super encouraging. I get it. Some of you are like, man, I'm going to walk out of here worse than I came in today. Sorry for that. I'm going to try to encourage you at some point. I was talking with, with a young lady from our church this week. And she's like, man, my daughter just, she was the worst sleeper. She's finally gotten to the point where she's sleeping a little bit. And I encouraged her. I said, well, give it three weeks. Because <laughs> it's... What I realized having kids, it's like they just get sleeping right and you're like, yes, life is good. And then three weeks later, you're like, I am going to die because your kid just goes through cycles. It's what it is. Got to be ready for the storm because the storm's always going to come back. So here's my question for you, though. If wisdom is always about being ready for the moment of suffering to come, and like if you're a parent, you just should know you've got 18 years of not sleeping well, you've got stress. Here's the question. What does it look like to live our lives with the expectation that storms will come minus the anxieties of the impending storm? It's going to come. So how can we live our lives minus those, those anxieties, those stresses, those fears? On the open water, a person can be prepared for the expected storm. You get everything ready for in case that storm comes. You are prepared for it. You're ready for it. And now you don't have as much anxiety when the storm is coming because I've been here before. We're ready for it. Let's go. In life, I think it's a little bit the same like with that. Too many of us, we don't, we don't live in preparation for the difficulties of life. Sometimes in the Christian circle, it's like, well, if you are just assuming bad times are going to come, that's faithless living. No, it's being real. It's preparing for those moments. Asking God to help me trust in you and have faith and confidence in you and let you work in me even when things are good so that when things get rough, I know where you are. You're right there with me. But in my prayer time, I should, I should be asking God to prepare my mind and my heart for whatever's on the horizon. But what happens is a lot of the time I find myself spending my time praying that God make the horizon clean and clear so I don't have to worry about anything. It's just not exactly what reality is going to be for us. Storms are going to find you. They may come out of nowhere. And we need to be preparing our heart for those moments where storms of life come. 
Here's the thing. Be grateful. When, when you're not facing, if you're in here right now and you're like, I've got no storms in my life. Life is good. Be grateful. That's an awesome place to be. But realize that that's not what life is always going to be for you. If you are living on your own strength right now because everything is great, what's going to happen when the tide turns a little bit? This is going to go up on the screen. It's already there. She's so good. Practice living in the presence and power of Jesus when times are good. So that when storms arise, you already know how and where to get your strength from. I really like that. Like, as if you're a coach in a sport, good coaches take their, their athletes through the hardest of times in practice. Because here's the thing. Practice is the, really, practice is the good time. You can't lose. I hate losing, and so I love practice because I can't lose in practice, everybody. But what I would try to do as a coach was I would take my girls through the toughest practice I possibly could. When we were doing a press break in basketball, I would throw seven defenders in that press break with the five girls trying to break that press. Basketball is five on five. You add two more in to play defense. It's really difficult. That's what we do. And honestly, life, when we're in our good times, it is the practice Life is kind of easy to live when you're in the good times. But it's also meant to be our practice. I practice trusting in Jesus. I practice learning and knowing what his power looks like in my life. So that when the bad times come, I'm ready. So it's good to prepare for storms. But the truth is, storms are scary sometimes. That's where we're getting here, the second part of the storms. Storms can stir up fear. It's good for us to admit that. Uh, I want you to hear what the, the disciples said in verses 37 and 38. A furious, furious squall came up, and the, waters, the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Anybody else read this ever and just get annoyed at the disciples? Like, you guys are the biggest weasley, whiny little babies. This is why I know the Bible's true, because the disciples always come out looking like that. Man, of all the things that they would have to worry about, they're worrying about whether or not Jesus cares if they drown. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? That's like you taking your kid to the store, and you don't buy the shoes for your kid that she wants. And then your kid goes, don't you even care that everybody's going to think I'm a loser? And some of you parents would be like, I hope they do. No, don't say that, okay? Yeah, you, you know, you, you don't want people to think your kid's a loser, but you also know that they probably won't because of a pair of shoes. Just like Jesus knew that these guys weren't going to die. Just like he knew that he had them in his hand. But the thing is with fear, fear is fear. Fear is something that we're all going to face. And, and here's something that we see about that we kind of get shown in this fear that we see with the disciples. Here it is. Sometimes real fears can stir up in us all the irrational fears as well. There are real fears in the world. It is right to be scared of a storm when you are out on open water. It's terrifying. It's actually probably pretty right to be a little bit fearful that you might lose your job if you hear that your whole company is downsizing. 
it's probably totally fine and right to be a little fearful of your child starting to drive a car or when they go to college three states away. These fears are rational. It's okay. But here's what we have to see with the disciples, what they didn't have a right to. They didn't have a right in the midst of a real rational fear to be, have an irrational fear that God didn't care about them. That is irrational. And what happens a lot of times is our rational fears turn into this irrational fear that we where we lose our trust in God. Storms can definitely stir up fears. You probably all have some storms in life right now, or, or you can think of them, where you've had real fears come up. But that's when we have to remind ourselves that most of our fears really truly are irrational. Again, I'm not saying the storm was irrational. The fear of that storm was irrational. We need to practice learning how to exhibit trusting fears. Some of you maybe been at church a long time in your life and you're like, I've never heard somebody say that. Because here's the thing. Our children's stories, oftentimes, and, and we, we try to be better than this in the way that we teach children's Bible stories, but a lot of times children's Bible stories come to this. Don't be scared. Trust Jesus. Oh, sure, that helps a lot. Thanks. Right? That doesn't help anybody. How about, hey, you have legitimate fears in your life. You know what? Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead to defeat death so that you don't have to be fearful of that kind of stuff. You can exist in fears but still have trust in Jesus because he's overcome everything. And that sounds a lot better. I can actually live with that. We have to have trusting fears. It's okay to have fear, but as long as you're trusting in the goodness, the grace, the mercy, and let me say the power of Jesus... As long as I trust in all that, then guess what? I can have some fears, but I still can live in a trusting place of trusting God. This is totally doable for us. It's okay to have some fears, but it's irrational to not be able to offset those fears with this overall trust that God has you. Because even if, even if these disciples had died that night on the boat, that didn't mean Jesus didn't care about them. Jesus had come to secure their eternal salvation. Even death doesn't take away that, fe that care that God has for us. So learn to practice a trusting fear. I also want to say this. Your fear is not something that God aims to guilt you over. Fear is not the thing that God is going to guilt you over, I don't think. If you look at what happened in the boat, when these guys, and these guys were terrified, they were scared. They come and they're like, they're, I assume they're probably like kicking Jesus. Like, Jesus, don't kick Jesus. That's Jesus. What are you doing? They're kicking Jesus and they're like, wake up, don't you care? If I'm Jesus, I get up and I'm like, you guys stop it. I was sleeping. If I'm Jesus, I'm rebuking the disciples, right? Who did Jesus get up and rebuke? He got up and he rebuked the storm. That's really, that's really important for us to understand. These disciples were scared irrationally. Jesus didn't get up and rebuke them. He got up and he rebuked the storm. And so you're going to have some fears and sometimes you're going to be irrational with it. God's not going to guilt you. In fact, he might step in and he might try to help with the storm. It's pretty cool. We can all manage living with a trusting kind of fear. Where yes, we have some natural fear of these natural dangers... 
that our life in this world, in this sin-filled world, we're going to experience. But it can be tempered by a constant trust in who Jesus is and in the power of who Jesus is. So storms are scary, but there's also something I think that storms reveal in us. The third thing about storms is that they can reveal your self-centeredness. Listen again to what they say, the disciples say to Jesus. They say, aren't you worried about that we are going to drown? Don't you care if we drown? Now, I've, I've read this before and I'm like, didn't they care about Jesus? Hey, they're all about, like Jesus, we're going to drown here. Not one of them was like, Jesus, we're worried for you too. They just care about themselves. Now think about that. When you're in the storm of your life, how hard is it for you to think about the overall big picture of what's going on? How hard is it for you to care about somebody else in need? You can't see the need because all you care about is what's going on in you. It's really, really tough. When you are sitting in that boat in the middle of a storm, it is really hard to think about anything but yourself. And so storms show us our insecurities. They show us our self-centeredness. Can I get to the point where I stop thinking about myself in the storm and I start to now go, God, what do you want to do in this moment? What do you want to do in me and through me for other people? We've been talking about the story of Jonah at Kids Midweek and actually at, at CYJ, our house group, this last week. We've been talking about Jonah. And Jonah's a dude that was, in a, he was put in a storm. The problem with Jonah is he thought his storm was the real storm rather than the storm that was the real storm being the real storm. I just came up with that. So Jonah is told by God, hey, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. Yeah, I know what Nineveh is. I hate that place. I hate the people there. Well, I don't care, Jonah. I want you to go there. Yes, they're bad people. They do a bunch of bad things. But I want you to tell them to stop and to follow me. It's really simple. And Jonah's like, but why me, God? Why would you ask me to do that? This is so bad for me. I hate them. He didn't even get that the storm was actually sitting over the city of Nineveh. He's like, oh, look at my storm. I got to go and help these people. No, the storm's with Nineveh, dude. And so he does the opposite thing and go to Nineveh. He goes to a, tries to go to a place called Tarshish. Tarshish. It's so fun to say. Just say it when you go home. It's really fun. He goes off to this place in Tarshish in a boat. And guess what? Now a real storm comes to him. Ah, fancy that. And the real storm comes and they throw him out. The, they didn't want to throw him out of the boat. But then they realize, okay, we got to throw you out of the boat because this is God doing this to you. They throw him out of the boat and big fish swallows up Jonah. It wasn't until Jonah finally decided, all right, this ain't about me. Finally, he was able to take his eyes off of himself and realize, okay, God wants something for Nineveh. He had to take his eyes off of himself. And then finally, at that point when he did that, okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. And the spit, the, the fish spits out Jonah onto the dry land. So I want you to hear this. God doesn't always fix whatever is making you afraid. But his track record of knowing what's right for you is undeniable. He didn't fix Jonah having to go to Nineveh. He was a little fearful of it, yeah. But he knew it was the right thing, not only for Nineveh, but for Jonah also, to change Jonah the way that he needed to be changed. When, you, when all your thoughts and questions are centering around how a situation is affecting you, 
Let that be your wake-up call that it's time to start asking what God wants to do in and through you in that situation. When all you care about is, God, why, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? It's, that is your warning to, to change your thinking. Everything is about changing our pattern of thinking. Okay, God, I'm thinking about me. What do you want to do through me? Who do you want to bless in this situation? How do you want me to bless somebody in the middle of my storm? You may not always like what storms reveal about you, but you will like what storms reveal about God. Here's the fourth thing. Storms can reveal God. Why do storms reveal God? Because when you're in a storm, you got nobody else to call on. you got to call on God. The disciples, they were fishermen. They knew how to do stuff in that boat. But they got to a point, it's like, ah, Jesus, we, we're, we're going to die. <laughs> and so the storm reveals God. They said, who is this? After Jesus calmed the storm, they say, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I love that reaction. It's like this veil was taken off of Jesus. And now they've seen him for who he really is. Storms can do that. They can reveal the power of Jesus in a way that you've never seen before. Maybe storms shouldn't always be seen in our lives as being as bad as we think that they are. Remember, these guys didn't, they didn't ask Jesus to come and help them with the best of manners. They were kicking at Jesus. Last service I said that he, he went, like they were probably going and pile driving him. And then some guy came up afterwards like, that's not a pile drive. This is a pile. I'm like, well, okay, whatever. I, you get it. You get what I'm saying. But they're trying to wake up Jesus not nicely and still... He comes through for them with miraculous power. See, this story shows us a lot about what the storms, what the storms in our life can do and how Jesus comes through in power. There's one last thing I want to talk about. One last thing that the storms do, and it's this. Storms can stretch your faith. Again, they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Realize, if you look back in Mark 3.11 Jesus healed somebody from demon possession and this demon comes out of the person and looks back at Jesus and says we know you're the son of God see these disciples they knew Jesus was the son of God when they say who is this this isn't a question of identity this is an exclamation of his glory the storm brought out Jesus' glory in a way, even though these guys had seen the glory of Jesus, the storm brought it out in a way they'd never, they'd never witnessed before. And it grew their faith. That's what storms do. It grows our faith. Storms will help us see God in a whole new light that we never saw before. Timothy Keller says this, You can always glorify God by having a trusting attitude toward him as you suffer, rather than becoming bitter. And the best way to do that is to look at God the Son suffering infinitely for you. That'll help you trust him as you suffer. You see, in truth, our struggles, our storms in life, they're light and they're momentary. They don't feel like it in the moment, but they are. In comparison to eternity, they're light. In comparison to what Jesus endured on the cross for you and me, our storms are light and they're momentary. He took on an infinite awful consequence of our sin so that you and me could have life in a way that we never would have been able to have. Today I want to ask you this. What fears are you dealing with right now? What in your life are the fears? 
Maybe they're fears that you've been dealing with for a long time. Lose, fear of losing loved ones, the fear of financial insecurity, the fears of loneliness. Maybe it's a fear that's just kind of, it's welling up in this present moment of your life. It's fear that you can't go on any longer the way that you're going because you just stressed out. Maybe it's a fear that you aren't measuring up at all. Maybe it's a fear that you're losing your kids. It's just something's happening. Has your storm locked you in a mode of fear that you are struggling to break through from right now? How are you needing God to reveal himself in the storm that you're in right now? Do you believe that God is in the boat with you that he has got the power to actually take care of you in this moment? Or are you like, I don't even think God's in the boat. Do you need reminding of what the character of Jesus actually really truly is? See, I don't think God's going to let us go through experiences without a purpose. I got a friend who he said it really well. He says, I have to believe that in the kingdom of God, nothing is wasted. Whatever you're going through today, you're going through for a purpose. Some of you are in here like, man, this is not the message for me. I'm in a good place. I got no, I got no storms. Great. Enjoy it. But are you trusting right now, even in a good place, are you trusting in the power of God? Are you trusting in Jesus with your life every single day? Because what happens to a lot of us, even people that follow Jesus, when everything's going good, guess what happens? I live in my own power. Everything's so easy, I can just do it on my own. And so then when, when the script gets flipped, all of a sudden, I don't know how to reach out to God when things get tough. Are you reaching out to God even if you're in a good place right now? And there's three things that I want us, as we're closing up here, to think about praying this week. As we're talking about the storms of life, three things that I want us to pray are this. First, ask God what he means to reveal to you about you. What are your insecurities? What are your self-centered tendencies? Where is your faith needing to mature? Ask him, okay, God, where, what do you want to reveal in me? The second thing is this. Ask God what he wants to reveal to you about himself. Do you not believe that there is this epic power in Jesus to help you? Does he seem far away? Have you forgotten parts of his character that you need to be reminded of? Okay, so God, reveal in me what you want me to know about me. Reveal in me what you want me to know about you. And then the third thing is this. Ask God to stretch your faith by showing you his power so that your faith can be stronger than your fear. I'm going to say this. I think we can be healthy people even when we're going through the worst of times. I've had moments in my life where I've gone through some really, really difficult stuff and I've looked at myself in those moments and after those moments and I've been like, man, I was, I, I was really, really close to God in that moment. Like, it was hard, but I grew. And I've had other moments where I've been in difficult moments and I look back and I'm like, I was really an awful person and not getting close to God at all. We can be healthy or we can be unhealthy. It's about how much we're trusting Jesus. It's about how much we're going to Jesus and we're dependent on him for every part of who we are. So if you're in a good place, you gotta be dependent. If you're in a bad place, you gotta be dependent. I think Jesus is most definitely full of epic power for your life today. And I want us to pray that we would see what that epic power looks like. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. 
Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.